You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Hey, and we're back with another episode of Disney One by One. This week, we're talking about Peter Pan from 1953. This is the 14th movie on this list of over 50, so we're moving right along. As always, uh, remember to check out this show on the internet. We're at Disney1x1, pretty much anywhere you can find us. And of course, if you could leave us a rating, a review on iTunes, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts, it will be much appreciated. As always, on the show today, my brother David Rolfing, the my Roy to my Walt, or something like that. David, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Walt. Glad to be back for <laughs> say, a great like, movie. My Mickey, my Mickey to my Walt, but I didn't like create you, so that would be that'd be odd. Anyway, anything exciting going on in your life? Um, let's see. <laughs> and now we're just watching Peter Pan, the most exciting <laughs> thing that's happened the past week. Nice. All right, and joining us today, a first time guest, Jared Kozart. Jared, welcome to Disney One by One. Well, hey gang, thank you. I'm very excited to be here. And David, you know Jared very well, don't you? Yes, he's the third and final co-host from Hostile Discourse to be on Disney One by One. So we've got them all in. Hopefully we can do a big full reunion episode soon. That'd be fun mm, with the yeah. whole crew. And if you haven't listened to past episodes, David has his own podcast, Hostile Discourse, um, where they debate all sorts of fun and random things. On a hiatus, but Jared had sent a text just this week asking me when we're bringing it back so it's in the works like a mother <laughs> without a child it's it's uh it hurts right now but we'll be back maybe oh, <laughs> you got that baby fever <laughs> yeah well we have a uh a mini reunion today on disney one by one so so jared the first question we ask our guests is for them to tell us about their disney history so how has disney influenced your life if at all yeah i mean i moderately um, I'm very nostalgic person in general, and that extends to movies. So I, I think in, in just a second I will reveal some of my top Disney movies, and uh, I think you, you'll be able to tell from the time frame, you know, the time frame is definitely evidence of my nostalgic nature. Like, uh, all, all, like 90s is, is really the impactful uh, decade of, of Disney movies for me. And to be honest, it's mostly music. Like I, I, I love the Disney music. So um, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big Disney fan. You'll, you'll see me driving down the street singing, um, you know, different show tunes. So uh, <laughs> like what? A lot. But, you know, I, I think t the Tarzan soundtrack, like Phil Collins, those are just straight up like good songs. Those are just good songs. Like they're not good Disney songs. Like they're just good songs. And it's the same <laughs> with uh, Under the Sea. Under the yeah. Sea from... Little Mermaid is just a good song. Like, so that's uh, that's actually my jam, yeah. Did your family, did you grow up like going to Disney World or Land or anything like that? We never did that. We I've been to Orlando once for a football game, and we did not make it. To be honest, I'm not a big, I'm just not a big uh, theme park guy, you know? I think Disney would be the most fun of them all, but I, I don't love roller coasters, I don't love rides. So uh, we, we never made it down there, but maybe a, maybe a hostel uh, bros, maybe a Disney one by one, you know, trip down there. 
Yeah, Road if we trip. get big enough and can do a, a show like live from the parks, I will. I will certainly uh... live from the castle. Hey, by the way, is that is that uh, is it Cinderella's castle still? No, it's Elsa's castle now. Oh no, it's still Cinderella's no. uh, Magic Kingdom. I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to. All right, we'll fact check that for, they, for they later built, in the show. They built a frozen ride in Epcot, so they've they've got that there. Okay, good enough. Yeah, I mean, it, have have you only been to like Six Flags or that sort of thing? Like, what's your theme park experience? Yeah, exactly. And and like Silver Dollar City, like that's the okay. extent. Silver Dollar City is actually surprisingly. I was pleasantly surprised by that park, but Disney is certainly a, a, a whole new world. Yeah, they're very, very well said, Mike. Very well said, yeah. I've been to SeaWorld as well, and uh, it just leaves me overwhelmingly um, sad and angry. Just kidding. That's not totally true. (laughs) Actually, the stuff they do with the orcas is really amazing. They, like, ride them like a surfboard, but shame on them. Treat them them like slaves. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think they got rid of Shamu. I don't even know if the killer whales are there anymore. I don't either, but I I know that... uh, there's a big push to get them to get them away, and uh, people have died in those. The orcas have killed people. That's crazy. I know. It's just, it's just a bad idea all around. You don't, don't get in the water with that giant, giant fish mammal, scary predator. They, they are called killer whales. So yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, sorry, David, were you gonna say something? No, just no. fish mammal. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. All right, so Jared, you've had a chance to look at this list of Disney animated classics. Um, I'd love to hear your top five, so why don't you start at number five? Very good. Number five, sneaking in there. Number five was the easily the hardest to choose for me, but uh, it's Big Hero Six. Nice. That that was a really good movie, and uh, but not enough to overcome my nostalgia. So, number four, we get into the '90s with Mulan. Um, <laughs> on on hostile discourse. We and Mike, you were on this episode. We I was. did a uh, a Disney, you know, bracket of movies, and I think I can't. I think we included Pixar, and anyway, Mulan made it to the championship <laughs> match, or at least the final four, or something. And it like so, it beat out. It beat out like Beauty and the Beast and Little yep. Mermaid and all sorts of stuff. I could it not did. believe that. <laughs> Mostly due to the the song, the greatest yep. song. Yeah, it, <laughs> no, no, get down to business. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, this uh, Mulan makes it on the list almost exclusively because of that song. It's just so good. Um, so Mulan's at number four. Number three, Aladdin, one of the most fun Disney movies. Although I've heard some – are you guys like the Aladdin is overrated gang? No, I love Aladdin. I also love the Aladdin TV show on Toon Disney, so I'm a big Aladdin fan. Mm. Yeah, I th- I think Aladdin probably made it in my top ten if I'm remembering correctly. So I, I do really enjoy it. Okay, and great, great. Speaking of great music, there's some great music in Aladdin. Oh yeah, absolutely. Number two, Tarzan. <laughs> I, I I do love the story of Tarzan. I love the music so much. Son of Man. Yep. Uh, that song from Tarzan, his coming of age scene song is Trash uh, in the Camp. Trash the Camp is so good too. Like, I mean, every song is just—I'm telling—it's like a legitimate good song. Also, the In Sync version of Trash in the Camp. Indeed, In Sync featuring Phil Collins, or vice versa. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and then of course number one. Well, let me guess. Lion King. Of course. Oh, I should have guessed something really random. That would yeah, have been yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, it's got to be Lion King. So, Lion King is not only. Uh, it, it's for sure the best Disney movie, and it 
is knocking on the door of being like a top five movie period it's that yeah. good that's how uh that's how toy story is for me that's definitely like top five right yeah but so that doesn't count i i uh I, when I was looking through the list of just, just, you know, the list that you guys are going through and it's just the Disney movies, no Pixar. Um, I was just thinking about you guys cause you guys are both like toy story is your movie. It is, so, it, uh, it is it, mine. It, yes. But what's the, <laughs> okay. This is, this is, might be, a, this is a dumb question, I think. Sure. Um, but Pixar and Disney, like they are, Disney owns Pixar now or they used to and they don't anymore. Pixar was not originally a Disney company. Okay. Um, it was started, I mean, like Steve Jobs was involved, George Lucas was involved. It's kind of this weird, it has a, has a long history starting as sort of like a software development company. And then they started uh, making animations to test their software. And then it kind of evolved from there. Wow. Disney distributed Toy Story. They did not produce it. So they were involved, but they were not involved creatively. Right. right. As far as I know. And ultimately, they, ultimately Disney bought Pixar, so they own it. But they're still like separate entities like Lucasfilm and Creatively Marvel. separate, yeah. right? I mean, there's there's people that work for both. John Lasseter, who got the boot for sexual harassment stuff, but he was like the the head at Pixar, but also like one of the heads at Disney Animation. So there's a lot uh, of crossover, but they they are separate companies within the same parent company kind of okay. deal. So so this list is like the Walt Disney animated classics from Walt Disney. What are we What are we calling it? The animation animation studios. studios? Yeah. So, and aside from the animation studios, they also have like Disney Tunes, which created a bunch of like the spinoffs and they have, they have, there's other things. So like there's certain movies that even like the Goofy movie, you know, was, was produced by a different leg of the Boom. company. So that's why it's not on the list. <laughs> Goofy so. movie sucks. <laughs> what? It's so actually, good. actually, I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, so I'll, I, maybe I should reserve judgment, but. Uh, Such a good uh, off the college story. Yeah, I guess it is. I, actually, I remember the skateboarding scenes being pretty cool. That's all Have I remember. Have you seen it, it since you joined a fraternity? I feel like you, some of the humor would be <laughs> especially funny for you. <laughs> I have not, but uh, in fact, I, I didn't even. I don't remember. I just don't remember the details. I just have this impression, like the vague impression of of what I, you know, that's what I remember about it, um, not being very good. But maybe I'll give it another shot. Like I, I think some of the cartoons. And kids shows, oh, am I allowed to say Nickelodeon on this podcast? Sure. Uh, uh, so, like SpongeBob is even funnier now. So maybe I'll maybe I'll give the Goofy movie another shot. All right, and with that, we will move on to Peter Pan. And now our feature presentation. If you're familiar with the story of Peter Pan, you know that a little sprinkling of Tinkerbell's fairy dust can make you fly. Tink. Tink, wait a minute. Haven't you forgotten something? Aren't you going to take the audience along? Okay, so Peter Pan. This is based on a play by J.M. Barry. If you want to learn much more about J.M. Barry, you can see the movie Finding Neverland. Johnny Depp portrays him in that movie. Um, the play was called Peter Pan or the Boy Who Wouldn't Grow Up. Disney first expresses interest in Peter Pan in 1935, which was, you know, a couple years before even Snow White came out, he wanted, he wanted it to be the second feature after Snow White, but it ended up being Pinocchio, as we all know, mainly because Paramount Pictures owned the rights to the story. And also, like, the hospital for sick children in London was somehow involved, <laughs> which is listed in the credits of the movie at the top. So they had the rights to it somehow, and, I don't know, they tried to work a deal all together, and then it kind of fell through, so... But eventually, by 1939, in true Disney form, he got the rights to it and began 
early development. And of course, World War II happened, as we've discussed in many of the previous episodes, and the studio kind of got taken over by production of propaganda films and a bunch of short films that are all crammed into uh, features and, and the like. You can listen to the some previous episodes, Make My Music, Fun and Fancy Free, etc., to learn more about that. But after the war ended, work continued on Peter Pan. They started pursuing different actors to, to be the characters, including Mary Martin, who was portraying Peter Pan on Broadway. And also there's a live action version of Peter Pan that I saw quite a few times as a child that Mary Martin portrays Peter Pan in. And they also even talked to Cary Grant about doing the voice of Captain Hook. That didn't end up happening, but interesting pursuing some pretty big celebrities. Because that's kind of all they do these days. Peter Pan was ultimately voiced by Bobby Driscoll. And if you want to hear the fate of Bobby Driscoll, it's a very interesting story. You can listen to our Melody Time episode. I, I recommend it. Anyway, Bobby Driscoll ended up voicing Peter Pan, and Hans Conried was chosen for Captain Hook. And then, as mentioned previously, Catherine Beaumont, who was the voice of Alice, returned as the voice of Wendy. By 1947, Peter Pan, Alice, and Cinderella were all in the works, but Walt ultimately settled on releasing Cinderella first as the first kind of feature back to form after all these packaged films. He chose that mainly because it was the most similar to Snow White, and Snow White was very successful. The movie went through a number of different story iterations before it was finally released February 5th, 1953, and then re-released in 58, 69, 76, 82, and 89. Uh, the, the movie features a number of great songs, including Second Star to the Right, You Can Fly, Following the Leader. It was the final animated film from Disney to be released through RKO Pictures. If you've been watching these along with us, you see RKO at the top of every single one of these, but this was the final one. Because right after this, Disney started their own distribution company called Buena Vista, which I believe is still around today. Um, there were sequels made many years later. We had Return to Neverland in 2002, and then the Tinkerbell series, direct-to-video series, started in 2008. And of course, we have the theme park ride, one of the most popular rides in the parks. Peter Pan's Flight, I think is what it's called. A two-minute and 30-second ride that typically has about an hour-long wait, but I guess it's good. So, Anyway, David, any fun facts to accompany this history? A couple. Um, so first of all, Nana, the adorable dog, Nanny, in their house, was supposed to travel to Neverland with them uh. and be a sort of narrator, um, but they ended up cutting that out of the movie. But the leash um, got stuck. Yes. And then... The second star on the right, the melody, was actually written for last week's movie, Alice in Wonderland, hmm. but then they repurposed it for Peter Pan. And then the guy who voiced Hook also voiced the dad in the movie, George Darling, Hans Conried. Um, so he, they actually look kind of similar if you look at them, but same same voice actor. Well, and that's, that's a typical Peter Pan thing. Um, if you've ever seen the musical on stage, they always have the same guy play the dad as Captain Hook. Weird. They always have the same guy play the dad and Captain Hook. I guess it do has think... to do with like the dad's kind of a bad guy at the beginning. And so the kids imagine the dad as Captain Hook is ah. sort of how I interpret that, especially uh -huh. in the stage version. That means version. Neverland isn't actually real. That's yeah. sad. Well. But you didn't mention Hook, one of the greatest movies based on Peter Pan. That is up for debate. <laughs> How so? I don't know. Jared, are you a fan of Hook? Spielberg not, movie? No, I've never seen it. But Never seen it. Okay. No. It's very like audience acclaimed. That's the right way to put it. But like it's not very critically acclaimed. I just I, I haven't seen it in forever. 
Yeah, I think it's one of those movies you see as a kid and you're like, Rufio, he's awesome. <laughs> but then like, it's not that good of a movie. So yeah, I, don't know. I probably it's... haven't seen it for like <laughs> 10 years, but I loved it. Jared, Peter Pan, had you seen this movie before? What were sort of your preconceived notions before watching it again before this podcast? Yeah, I had seen Peter Pan in probably 1999. Um <laughs> So like I uh, and you were how old then? I was four years old. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's been a long time. Um, long enough to where I I knew the I knew the plot. Like I remember the plot more or less. My memory of Peter Pan is was very fond, and it was very like magical. That that's kind of my that was my impression of the movie. And <laughs> it, it it took like. It took like 30 minutes for for that to go away, but I, I don't know if we're getting into details now, but um, it, it, the magic kind of went away pretty quick. Okay. David, Peter Pan, uh, we had this movie in the house quite a bit, so we our stories might be the same, but go for it. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't seen it since I was pretty little as well, so I mean, I remember parts of the movie. I didn't really remember a lot of the stuff with like the Indians or... What's her name getting kidnapped? Wendy or Tiger uh, Lily? Tiger Lily, yeah. I didn't remember like how Smee was such a big part of like he was like more had more lines than Hook. I don't know. He was like a big part of the pirate group. Didn't really remember much of Smee, but overall, I really enjoyed the movie and the magic did not wear away for me, Jared. I it went till the end. So <laughs> I also kind of have a fond um, spot for Peter Pan and my fandom as well just because i read like peter and the star catchers i really enjoyed hook as well when i was younger um peter and the star catchers is kind of like a spin-off peter pan fantasy series yeah um so i don't know i just really like that character i really like the adventure vibe on the island and it kind of goes along with those books and the extra curriculars but yeah solid movie overall yeah cool uh yeah we watched this a bunch as kids at home. I've told this story on a previous episode, but I asked for Peter Pan for my birthday at, at some point, and my grandma accidentally bought the live-action Mary Martin version instead of the animated <laughs> one. And so that one ended up living at grandma's house, and we ended up with the animated one at our house. So, But whenever we were at grandma's, we either watched Three Caballeros or live-action Peter Pan with Mary Martin. So um, I'm very familiar with that musical Broadway version, but also the animated version. Certainly been on the ride at Disney many times. Tinkerbell has a strong presence in the parks and in just sort of Disney lore. You know, she's flying around at the beginning of every movie, especially on the, in the old VHS days. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I recently bought the Blu-ray a couple of years ago and watched it again then. So it's certainly fresh in my mind going into this this viewing. So, yeah, if, Mike, yep. you, uh, you reminded me of, of, of something. Um, so in 1999... I was in New York City with my family as four years old, and uh, we saw Peter Pan on Broadway. Nice. But my grandpa tells this story. It's just a grandpa story. You know, like you've got like 10 or so stories that like grandparents just like cycle through upon seeing them again. And this is one of them. And anyway, uh, we, we saw Peter Pan on Broadway, and I guess it was intermission, or maybe the play was over or something. I don't know. And he, he was asking me, you know, how I liked it, and do I, do, do I like the play? And there was a basket of swords, like little plastic toy swords, you know, next to us for sale. And, you know, all I could focus on was getting a, a toy sword and I, I didn't want anything to do with the play. And, um, 
and he, he loves telling that story. So I do have some history, some more history that with Peter Pan than I actually remembered. I just remembered that. But uh, I got the toy sword. It was a happy ending for me. <laughs> nice. And you got to see some people fly on stage, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I You know, I don't remember that, actually, um, but I know it happened. That's the coolest thing about Peter Pan on Broadway or on stage in general. They set up the whole, all the, all the flying rigs and put them on wires and fly them around. So. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that's, that's not the safest. No. Not the safest thing. No. But it's cool. All right. With that, um, if you haven't seen this movie or you haven't seen it in a really long time, like uh, David and Jared, here is Peter Pan in 60 Seconds. Credits roll into 1900s London as we meet Wendy, John, and Michael, whose father scolds them for acting up. After the parents leave for the evening, Peter Pan appears, who teaches them how to fly with the help of pixie dust from Tinkerbell, and he whisks them off to Neverland. We then meet Captain Hook and Mr. Smee, who are plotting to take revenge on Peter Pan for cutting off Hook's hand. Soon after, Peter arrives with the kids, and Tinkerbell, who is now very jealous of Wendy, summons the Lost Boys to tell them to shoot down Wendy, Peter finds out, banishing Tink. John and Michael join the Lost Boys on a hunt for Indians, but are promptly caught, and blamed for kidnapping the chief's daughter, Tiger Lily. Meanwhile, Peter takes Wendy to meet the mermaids, who harass her, but then flee as Hook's ship appears. The pirates have Tiger Lily, and Peter and Wendy free her, which in turn sets the Lost Boys free from captivity. Hook gets in touch with Tinkerbell, who tells him where Peter is, and the pirates capture the Lost Boys and the children, leaving a bomb behind for Peter. Tink snatches the bomb just in time to save Peter, and they head off to save their friends. Come on, everybody. Pan fights Hook, the kids fight the pirates, and the good guys win in the end. <laughs> Wendy, John, and Michael return home to their father, who has decided to be nice to them. He sees the ship flying away in the distance, which sparks a memory from childhood. All right, so that was Disney's Peter Pan. Jared, you've now watched this movie again. What, were, what was your initial reaction? Like I said earlier, <laughs> the... It just wasn't as good as I remember it being. <laughs> um, the the magic kind of wore off, it, but it started so strong. To be honest, my favorite character in the whole movie is the dad. <laughs> I, I, I think I think everything he says is, is hilarious. I'm, I'm I'm very fond of their accents and just like the way they speak, and uh, you know, 1953 London. So I, it actually started really well for me. I loved Nana, of course. Michael, which one was the little, the littlest boy? Michael. Yeah, Michael was was so cute. So the the beginning was great, and then, in you know, one of the impressions I had in my mind was like, oh man, I remember thinking like I wanted to be one of the Lost Boys. That'd be so cool. And then we got to the Lost Boys, and I was like, man, these guys suck. Like, <laughs> these guys have just been like kidnapped by Peter Pan. They don't have any family. They lost their moms. They're dumb as rocks. You know, I don't want to be a lost boy, you know. So that, that was that was the first part where I was like, man, this this is not how I remember it. The music was uh, is so good. Was was good. <laughs> it was good. Actually, I, I I do enjoy like the old timey kind of Disney music like that. Um, and they they do have some great songs. The best song or just piece of the score is the the crocodiles theme. You know the TikTok theme. I I love that, and also that still scares me. Like I I I got a recurring feeling of fear watching that watching that again from when I was a child. I was like, man, that that, that that crocodile used to scare me. But then of course, I had just forgotten all about the Indian 
stuff. So, okay, it is quite racist. I mean, obviously, just noticeably racist. <laughs> and, and then it's like, it's less sexist, but definitely still on the scale. So that I I think those were definitely contributing factors to the magic wearing off. But uh, I, okay, and then my final thought is like the the moral of the story, if there is one, is about like finding the child in you or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like always maintaining your childish imagination or joy or whatever. It's not a good enough theme. Like it, it doesn't make <laughs> up. It doesn't make up for. I don't think the plot was strong enough to. Uh, for that theme to make it great. So overall, it, it, it was worse than I remember it. All right. Well, you didn't just watch Alice in Wonderland. So this plot, <laughs> any plots better than the Alice in Wonderland plot. But. Okay. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. David, Peter Pan, after not seeing it for how many years, what'd you think? Yeah. Unknown amount of years, but um, off the bat, I mean, I just spent some time in London and kind of the whole vibe they set in 50s London was just so cool and like charming and yeah. I agree their accents were also um, charming as well so I really enjoyed kind of the setting and I thought the dynamics with, with the family were really funny I think that I mean Jared you bring up decent points um, oh thank you very much <laughs> yeah I didn't I didn't realize kind of how weird Peter Pan of a character is like he basically kidnapped these kids from their families and convinced them to stay and kind of brainwashed them into not wanting to grow up and go back to their parents. So it's kind of messed up. Um, That's kind of just a plot detail on top of like the cultural insensitivities, racism, whatever you want to call it. And real quick about in the, in the the development of this story at one point, Walt explored the idea of, of Peter literally coming and kidnapping Wendy to be the mother for the Lost Boys, um, but eventually decided that kidnapping was too dark and then decided to go the shadow route, which is kind of interesting. So that was that was part of the plot at one point. Yeah, I, I'm glad he didn't go that way. And a, a, a quick detail, I was looking at Peter Pan and the origin of uh, just the books and the plays and stuff, and at one point in one of the books, I guess, he's described as... Um, he still has all his baby teeth, Peter Pan, which means he's like, like he's like seven years old max, okay? <laughs> Maybe not in the movie. I mean, clearly not in the movie, but like, I, I getting that in my head and him coming to take people in this to this land, like, I'm with you, Big D. He's kind of a weird, weird dude. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess we're kind of going to step through the movie, so I'll wait on uh, some more detailed points. But Mike, what did you think of the movie? I love Peter Pan. <laughs> uh, this was in, I think this was number seven on my top 10 list, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I see all the things you're saying, but, you know, nostalgia certainly comes into play, as Jared talked about earlier. And, you know, I grew up on this movie. If if we did a, an episode where we went through our top 10 favorite songs in Disney movies, I think... You Can Fly and Second Star to the Right would probably be on that, if not even in the top five. Like that that choir at the beginning, which is pretty common in these early movies, but every time I hear it, I'm just like, this is, I love this so much. You know, the, the classic Disney choir. The second star to the right shines in the night for you. To tell you that the dreams you 
narrator at the beginning, which I've expressed my love for Disney narrators. This guy, this guy was good. This is a good one. He was a good narrator. Yeah, uh, he was only at the beginning. I don't think he came back at the end, unless I he, don't. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think he did. But he did have a good line. He had a really good line about uh, it's happened before and it'll happen again. Yeah. All this has happened before, and it will all happen again. But this time it happened in London. You know, but from there, it's just so fun. And, like, the sequences are so much fun. And the slapstick humor is is on point. And the the soundtrack, or the score is great. You know, the, the additional songs are a lot of fun. I've certainly seen it a lot because a lot of lines were coming back in my head. A lot of music cues were, you know, struck a chord. Things that are kind of ingrained in my memory came back when watching this, which always makes it kind of fun. You know, and in the end, the dad kind of turns around. He was a jerk at the beginning and is a nice guy at the end. So there's, there's, you have, we have that as well. It's not necessarily a moral, but. Yeah. <laughs> at least it's like some he, sort of He's conclusion. the main character of the movie. <laughs> well, that's the way, that's honestly, that's the way Mary Poppins is. It's really about the dad changing his, right. his opinions. It's very similar actually. to Right, 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 right. So you get, you get some, some different levels of it. You mentioned the slapstick humor i really enjoyed kind of the hijinks with hook and shmi like i i remembered him shaving the bird when he thought he was shaving <laughs> his face and i remember that as a kid thinking that's funny and it still was funny and like him having a headache and then him just smashing him in the head like it was all just like simple humor but they pulled it off and the timing was so well it was actually funny and not just like stupid kid humor poor captain has a splitting headache we mustn't annoy him. Captain Hook just gets obliterated in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he does. One thing, a, a redeeming quality about Peter, the character, is like, he's just so disrespectful to Captain Hook. <laughs> he, he, he is better. He's so much better, and he knows it. And he just messes with him. So I, uh, I'll i concede that it was fun. It was fun to watch. I especially enjoyed watching Peter just like toy with Captain Hook. Every time they met face to face, he was always making him look silly. He brought a knife to a sword fight. Bold move. I'll fight you man to man with one hand behind my back. Yeah, I mean, Captain Hook is not really much of a bad guy. Other than the fact that he shoots one of his pirates like in cold blood at the beginning, I guess that establishes his evilness. But mm -hmm. after that, he's quite ineffective. Yeah. Another highlight of this movie, the the Indian chief's voice was so good, so deep and strange. <laughs> yeah. That was a... Every time he spoke, I was like, who the heck did they get to voice this guy and how did they modify it to sound like this? Oh... For many moons, red man fight pale face lost boys. Sometime you win, sometime we win. Uh, I don't know if you listen to the lyrics of that song. It's a fun song, but it's awful. The why is the red man red? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I in my head, I keep getting confused with the with the with the stage version because in the stage version they go ugga wugga wigwam ugga wugga wigwam. But this one, they're doing something slightly different. But anyway, the, and the Lost Boys are like, tell us how you started saying how. Yeah. It's just so dumb. Yeah, yeah. And then there's even like sexism built into it too because there's like the big the big Indian woman's like telling Wendy she can't dance. She has to collect the firewood. Yeah. You know, because only the men can dance. There's like multiple levels of 
political uncorrectness here. Another thing I was I was surprised about about the portrayal of women in what is certainly a children's movie was uh, like the mermaids were wearing no clothes at all. Um, <laughs> Some and, of them were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. But like, it was just it was so much more. What's the word I'm looking for? Ris- risque. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. They also like kind of like assaulted Wendy. Oh, they, they did. Just, they splashed her. They're like trying to rip her clothes off. Join us for a swim. Oh, please, I'm not dressed. Oh, but you must. We insist. No, no, please. Too good for us, eh? <laughs> yeah, people were just mean in this movie altogether. I, I don't know why that irks me. It's just part of the movie. But like everyone was just mean to everyone, you know? If you were in a group of male mermen stuck on an island <laughs> where the only girl above the age of five was girl version of Peter Pan, you might be mean to her <laughs> boyfriend who she brings to the island too, okay? Yeah, you, you raised an excellent point, Big D. That is an awful fate for them to suffer. Wendy, they were just having a little fun, weren't you, girls? That's all. We were only trying to drown her. I want to talk about a couple scenes that really stuck out to me, just animation-wise. Come on, everybody. Here we go. Up to Neverland. First off, and David sort of mentioned this earlier, but the sequence of them flying over London was so impressive and just really, really cool. Like, the fact that they could create that scale... And really that con- that convincing uh, illusion of flight and like just the detail in the city below and uh, just that whole sequence, I, I really, really appreciated the, the amount of time that probably went into creating all that. Something that's super obvious about that scene is that they land on Big Ben. <laughs> I remember watching it as a kid and like thinking it was cool how they landed on a big clock, but I didn't know it was in Big Ben or in London. <laughs> that so that's how, young, that's how young I was when I saw this yeah. last. Mike, I noticed that scene too, and I, I found myself thinking, and so maybe I'm not giving the movie enough credit because I guess the, the audience should know I am not a very good movie critic. You know, I, I can't think of actual, you know, probably respectable reasons to like or dislike a movie other than like, ah. Uh, plot was good you know i like the characters etc <laughs> etc et but i did find myself thinking in that scene and when they get to the star and it turns into that weird whatever it turns into just that cool rainbow looking thing i was thinking like wow this is really impressive for 1953 that's so i, I did have the same thought as far as the animation goes sure and then as someone who's gone on the Peter Pan ride relatively recently, I was amazed at how accurately the ride duplicates what's in the movie in 3D space. So, oh, that's cool. They, the the flying over London in the ride is the best part about it. It's it's really really cool. A lot of the one-liners I recognize from Peter Pan, like "Here we go" and all those things, are those on the ride? Yeah. Okay, because I feel like there are so many things. I feel like I've heard so many times Peter Pan say. And it was probably at Disney World that I recognize those from. Yep, they certainly have certain lines pulled from the movie and placed directly in the ride. The other part I wanted to mention was the sort of final fight scene. And I was impressed by this, not just because it was well animated, but 
the utilization of like multiple things going on at once is maybe the first time I've seen this. Like there was the lost boys fighting the, fighting the group of pirates and then Peter Pan fighting Captain Hook and then the crocodile in the water and they were all in the same space, but they were sort of like different storylines going on at once. And David, I don't know if that has happened yet in a Disney movie that we've seen. Yeah. It was kind of like return of the Jedi. Like, you know, we have Luke <laughs> with the emperor Han on Endor, Lando and the Millennium Falcon, you know. Yeah, I'm trying to think of any other, like, big-scale action scenes like that. That might be the first one. So, yeah, I just I just noticed that as, like, oh, this is kind of a more modern form of storytelling than what we've, what we've seen in the rest of these movies. I thought uh, Captain Hook kept, like, chopping into that mast with various <laughs> objects to get his hook out and stuff. I thought it was going to fall over, but it didn't. Uh, Unrealistic. <laughs> that is that's the biggest knock on this movie is it honestly it's just unrealistic you know no i'm kidding <laughs> i was actually kind of surprised at how like weird i don't I know it's weird they flew to a magical land but that's somewhat believable but at the beginning like his shadow dancing around on the walls was just kind of strange and like sewing it back on made no sense whatsoever yeah i mean that's that's the story that that's from the original story that's in the broadway show too so i just kind of take that as it is but yeah i mean it is odd when you think about it also from the first scenes did you notice tinkerbell was like concerned about the size of her butt she like measured it in the mirror with her hands and then (laughs) she like couldn't squeeze out of the keyhole in that lockbox because of her butt was too big interesting i i i I did notice that and uh, like it was another so maybe i i don't know how they meant that joke but it seemed like another part of well actually i was just surprised again at how suggestive tinkerbell was she's wearing (laughs) she's wearing like just a very very short dress with uh, wide hips like it's just like (laughs) she's also just like a very conflicted character which I feel like you don't think of Tinkerbell's inner demons when you think about her, but <laughs> you know, she's very jealous first of Peter and then and then ends up helping betray him. She tries to commit murder. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, she ends up saving his life by warning him with six seconds left. There's a bomb there. So it all comes around in the end. In the stage version, Hook tries to poison Peter Pan and then... Tinkerbell eats the poison and drinks the poison instead of Peter. And then there's this whole thing where Peter like turns the audience and he's, and he slash she is like, if you guys clap, you know, she'll get better. Keep clapping. <laughs> Keep clapping. You know, you know what I'm talking about? It's <laughs> oh, hilarious. You remember that from, no, from, yeah. your, from your Broadway? I, remember that. Uh, I, I don't, I don't no? remember anything about oh, it except right. for the swords. We've been through this. There's, swords are all I cared about. If you believe, Wherever you are, clap your hands, and she'll hear you. Clap! Clap! Don't let Tink die! Clap! So there's some audience participation in the stage version. That is funny. Um, any other things you guys want to bring up before we sort of wrap it up? Yeah, we, I mean, we mentioned Hook briefly, but the very end of the movie, the dad remembers that he saw the same ship and probably went to Neverland as a kid, mm-hmm. but he was so young, he like thought it was a dream, I guess. I like that ending. So much of the the beginning of the movie is him just berating them for not being mature enough, especially Wendy. Um, and then at the end, he kind of yeah. gets down to their level and you see the little bit of child in him, which I think was an, a nice little touch. Yeah, no, I, I agree it was a nice touch. Uh, it, 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 
I don't think it's that strong of like a of a sentiment. But I thought that the ship was. Uh, were they trying to make it look as if the ship were just clouds and they were only seeing the clouds and and it it, it did never happen? Um, I think it's up to your interpretation. Hmm. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I choose to think it all did happen then, because that's what I mean. Fun. If the dad saw it too. I think it actually happened. And if in 2002 they released Return to Neverland, then I guess uh, yeah, good it's point. All real. Good point. Okay, well let's let's wrap this up, Jared. Part of part of our guest's job, and we can assist is to come up with the specific rating system for this movie. We have no, like, standard system. So, like, for Snow White, we rated it out of seven dwarfs. You know, for three caballeros, we rated it out of three caballeros. How should we rate Peter Pan? Ah, okay, that's that's really interesting. Um, we should rate it by the, uh, the hours on the clock in the crocodile's stomach. So I guess out of 12. Okay, all right. We're rating Peter Pan out of 12 hours on the clock in the crocodile's stomach. So, Jared... If you were to rate this out of the 12 hours of the clock in the crocodile's stomach, uh, how would you rate Peter Pan? And then give us your final thoughts. Okay. It's going to be, it's going to be about half past six or maybe, maybe a quarter to seven. Okay. That's, that's the rating is a quarter to seven. That's my rating. Okay. And, uh, final thoughts are that, um, it just was not. As magical as I remember it being, which is such a sad final thought. So sorry, audience, but uh, you gotta feel the inner child inside of you. You you do, and maybe this speaks more to me than it does to the movie. So I I should do some deep introspection after this and get that child back. All right, it's all good. We can have our differing opinions. David, how would you rate this out of twelve hours on the clock in the crocodile stomach? This movie was the best Disney movie we've watched in the first 14? Uh, 14. Okay. Clearly, I mean, I, I enjoyed this more than any of these first 14 movies. Um, so I would have to rate it, I don't know, like a 945. <laughs> <laughs> it's not perfect. Um, it could be better in some areas, but it's really good. And I really did enjoy it. The music was incredible the animation was impressive i guess like overall character development could have been focused on somebody other than the dad who was barely in the movie so that takes a little bit of a hit 30 minutes maybe there you <laughs> but, go um yeah i think <laughs> 9:45 on the <laughs> clock in the crocodile's stomach is what i give it all right great yeah i mean as i said i really really like this movie I'm, i'll go I'll go, let's say, let's say 1050 out of 12 hours in the crocodile stomach. Right. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's just because I'm a dad now, but I really actually, I really like the dad parts and his sort of evolution, even though you don't see him much. You can sort of imagine him as Captain Hook too. So you are getting him throughout the movie. And yeah, I mean, th- some of the songs in this movie are just, I just, I love them so much. And as a whole, I just remembered, just brought back a lot of memories from childhood. What did I say? 1045? 1045 10, out of 12. Yeah, 10, 10, 50. 50. 10, 50. 10, 50 out of 12. Little As extra, I recall, extra five minutes. You, you gave Three Caballeros a perfect score. Is that still above Peter Pan in your book? Uh, well, according to my top 10 list, kind of. 
<laughs> but I don't know. These, I mean, these. I don't. I'm not really comparing these scores. How, yeah. How, how uh, do you convert hours on the clock to three caballeros? To, to you caballeros. Don't. You don't. <laughs> Once we recap all of our ratings, we'll have to convert them into percentages. I think. <laughs> all right, well, then go. maybe okay, I'll bump Peter Pan to eleven. I love Peter Pan, so. Oh. It goes to eleven. <laughs> anyway. So, all right. Well, that was a great, fun discussion on Peter Pan. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us, especially Jared, first-time guest. Hey, it was a blast. Thanks, guys. And as always, David, thank you for accompanying me on this journey. Thanks for having me, Mike. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and we will be back next week with, where are we? Lady in the Tramp. I do not think I've seen this one. David? I have once on, like, Disney Channel, but I don't remember it. Okay. So we'll see what we think. And we'll see you then. Goodbye. Bye. So long. Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1 and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast. And as always, David, thank you for accompanying me on this journey. Uh, I'm trying to think of a Peter. What's a good Peter Pan quote I can? Uh, Besides, here we go. You just whistle. You just whistle. (laughs) (laughs) Not good enough. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Mike. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs)